What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UJ Podcast. I'm Tyler, and I got my co-host Curtis here with me, per usual. Uh, we're going to have some fun on the show today. We're going to talk a variety of topics. We'll get into all of that, and it's going to be a little bit different, but we'll explain it here momentarily. But before we get there, I do just want to quickly run through a couple business items. Just remind everyone that you can follow us on Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA, or you can also email us at podcast at gmail.com. We try our very best to... Uh, respond to everyone who sends us anything because we always appreciate the support and the interaction uh, and we really do love to hear your thoughts um, on everything Any, anything we talk about here on the show so feel free like i said to hit us up anytime um, you can also find the show on itunes soundcloud TuneIn, stitcher and all those other podcasting platforms um, guys we we definitely we say this a lot but I, I we really mean it. we appreciate each and every one of you guys to take the time out of your day to listen to this show and it's for me it's it's still hard to believe that anyone actually listens to this show but if you do listen to the show, and, and you at least semi like it, if you get a free second, we would greatly appreciate it if you would subscribe to and review the show on iTunes or SoundCloud. Um, that what that this, it definitely helps us out as we try to kind of continue to grow the show, um, and it helps us out in a variety of ways. And if you don't have the time for that, um, it would be just as awesome if you would go old school and just kind of share the word about the show with friends and family. Um, the show since we started was about two years ago, Kurt. Yeah. Something like that. About two years ago we started. I think two years ago this coming summer, so we're a couple months away from the two-year mark. But it's grown way more than I know I ever thought. I don't know about you, Kurt, but for me it's grown way more than I ever thought it would. I mean, I, I like when we got like 10 listeners, like, holy hell, man, we got 10 listeners. But it's, it's definitely grown way beyond that. So we appreciate it. Wouldn't have happened without you guys, and we appreciate everything you've done to help support us and listen to the show. But for us to kind of continue to expand and bring you guys even more content and uh, bring you better stuff, like in the form of interviews, things like that. We had a couple interviews this year. We want to get even more in the future. But to do that, uh, we kind of need your help. So anything you guys can do to help us out would be awesome. Uh, but now let's get into the show today. Uh, before we get into our main segment today, which we're going to have some fun. It's going to be pretty cool. I think it's going to be cool. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe not. But we're going to try our best. But before we get there, let's recap the weekend that was in the Bulldog Nation. Uh, not a ton going on this weekend. Uh, as we talked about in the last week's show, the, the athletic calendar for 2016-2017 is quickly winding down. But there's a couple things going on. And we're going to start with, a, for me at least, it was a very surprising series win by the Diamond Dogs over number 4 Kentucky and Lexington. Uh, Kentucky's surprisingly good this year. Uh, they've been pretty solid the past couple years, but they're really good this year. And uh, look, Kurt... You and I, we've been pretty hard on the baseball program, right? Yeah. I mean, and I think justifiably so at this point. We've been really hard on the coaching staff in particular over the course of this season. But in the interest of fairness, I do want to make sure to give those guys their just due and they earn it. And this weekend, they definitely earned it. Um, now, that game on Friday, I mean, we got helped out by a couple of errors. Um, some really, like, T-ball type errors. Like, pop flies, popping in and out of gloves, just overrunning uh, ground balls in the infield. So... We were the beneficiary of some, of some lucky breaks there, but you know what? We've also lost quite a few games this year because of those same kind of unlucky breaks. So it's nice to have something kind of break our way. Um, had a really good pitching performance on Sunday to win the series. Got two out of three in Lexington against the Wildcats. So we, we've kind of now put ourselves in a position to maybe sneak in the back door of the SEC tournament as the 12th and final seed. Uh, uh, Tennessee, we had the tiebreaker over Tennessee. We're kind of battling out for them who's going to be the, the last team into the tournament. They had another game rained out this weekend like they had last weekend, so that's actually kind of helping them um, to a degree here. So we'll see how it finishes out. We got, I think Mississippi State's the best team in the league. I know they're number one in the West. We got them this weekend at home, and then we wrap it up on the road at South Carolina. So 
an uphill battle given the SEC tournament, but I guess we put ourselves in a position to maybe kind of possibly sneak in. But, Curry, did that win over Kentucky change the equation for you at all in terms of your assessment of where we are as a baseball program? Not at all. Yeah, I mean, I want it to. Like, it's it's nice. It's really nice to get one like that. And I want it to mean something, but for this to mean something, like, we have to kind of continue. You know what I mean? Like, let's exactly. It's, it's especially in baseball. I mean, it's kind of like basketball. You can luck up, especially if the other team makes some mistakes. Um, you know, it's just one series. I'd like to see it. I mean, if if you know, maybe end on a good note. If anything, you know, win a couple. You know, win a series or two more. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, we've only won two SEC series. Not. Yeah. While Kentucky is good, I think we need to, you know, show more consistency. We really, it's I'm interested to see what we do this week. We got the the, the third game uh, of the season series against Tech at uh, SunTrust Stadium. Sun, is it SunTrust Stadium or Field? I don't know. SunTrust, the new Brave Stadium, uh, on Tuesday tomorrow. Actually, well, if you're listening to this, it's Tuesday already. So Tuesday tonight. Um, we've won the first two games of the series against Tech. So we already won the series. It'd be nice to finish out with a sweep of Tech. Uh, and then we play Mississippi State, who's leading the West right now. It'll be interesting to see how we play. And if we can come out, if we somehow get a, a, a home win here, our two SEC series that we've won this season, we're both on the road, then maybe we can start talking about building towards the future. And I, I really think Scott Strickland needs to close it out strong because uh, his job is clearly in jeopardy if not. But even if he closes out strong against South Carolina and Mississippi State, are you still going to hold strong in your position that he's? it's time for him to go? Yeah, I will. It's not going to happen. Unfortunately, I doubt it. But, you know, I, I still am going to hold that. I mean, it's just the fact that you just – you got – I mean, while he maybe would finish the season decently, I think it was just you got to look at – The season uh, as a whole, right? It's in its totality. Yeah, yeah, look at the season as a whole. And while you might have had some, a few bright spots, there was a lot more negative. You know, and it's not just, you know – I, you know, we question a lot of his decision makes like last weekend doesn't bring in the closer and blows the game in the, in yep. the ninth inning. I mean, you know, it's things like that that you, that's a coaching error. That's not player. I mean, the right. players didn't make some plays, but still, coaching, you got to put your players in situations to win. I don't think he always does that. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Are you, uh, let me ask you this. We talked about this a little bit of the basketball season once we were kind of out of contention last year. Uh, there's two lines of thinking here. When we've had a terrible season like we've had, where right now we're, we're just fighting to even get into the SEC tournament as the 12th and final seed, are you pulling for us to win these last couple of series, or would you rather us just kind of lose and it be the final nail in the coffin of the coaching staff so we can move forward and clean house? I mean, it's not good to hope to lose, but I mean, I, I don't know what it'll change winning. Right, that's that, – well, the, the – there's, like I said, there's two different sides. That some people say, well, it's good to go ahead and just pull the bandit off, like lose out so that there's we don't keep him back. Because if you bring him back, if, if he finishes strong and happens to look up and win a couple series at the end of the season after a terrible overall season, then all that's going to do is prolong the rebuild, put delay it for another year, and keep us in, in this state of, of malaise for a longer period of time. But on the other line of thinking is you can never – root for your team to lose. I generally fall in that category. Like I understand like the people who would say, man, I just want us to lose so that we can get rid of him. I don't want there to be any reason, any argument to possibly bring him back him luck up and kind of find his way back in and then just have to go through this all over again next year. I get that line of thinking, but it's just not any man. Like it's not in my DNA to ever pull against us. So I want us to win whatever we can. I, I can never pull against us to lose, even though I know it, it might have him come back or help him come back and go through this all over again. I totally get that. I mean, it's logical. It really is. But I just don't have it to me. I can't sit there and watch a game and be like, dude, I hope we lose. You know what I mean? I just I can't do it. All right, anyway, uh, let's move on. I also want to quickly make sure to give our PGA dogs out there on the PGA Tour some love. 
My boy Kisner, I'm a big Kevin Kisner fan. He's my favorite guy on the tour. I just love him. Uh, but he missed the cut, unfortunately, um, But uh, at the Wells Fargo Classic. But Brian Harmon picked up the slack uh, with a win at the Wells Fargo Classic. And it was crazy. It was a pretty dramatic ending. He had to sink a 28-foot birdie on the 18th hole to defeat Dustin Johnson by one stroke. This would have been Dustin Johnson's fourth straight PGA Tour win in his four straight starts. Uh, but it was it was crazy clutch. It was just awesome to see. So congratulations to uh, Brian Harmon pulling off a, a cool $1.3 million with a win. So our PGA dogs keeping it up like we have been for, for years now. But let's go ahead and move on to the main segment here today. And as, as I said at the outset of the show, we're, uh, we're going to have a little fun with this. We're going to try to. And this is a new segment that we're going to call Back to School. Uh, basically, the premise is that I have put together a test uh, here for Curtis to take. Uh, a test just like in the old days, back in school. Uh, this test is going to have various types of questions, including you know true, false, multiple, multiple choice, the basics there, even a little bit of basic math. I know that sounds weird, but we'll get into that. I'll explain how it kind of works here. But uh, so like I said, unlike the test you took in high school, though, all of our questions, of course, are going to be Georgia sports related. That's obvious. That's the premise of our entire show. But uh, I don't know. Who knows? Like this show, it, this segment may be completely lame. I don't know. But it at least sounded fun and somewhat interesting on paper. So we thought we'd at least give it a shot. If it works, awesome. If not, then we want to do it again. But uh, so definitely let us know what you think of this segment after you listen to it. Because we always, I mean, guys, we always want to make sure we are giving you guys the content you want to hear. So if it sucks, let us know. Uh, if it's something you like and you want to hear it again, then let us know that too. We'll uh, definitely uh, try to put it together again for you guys. But, uh, Kurt, you ready to start? Yeah. All right. So part one here of the test, going back to school here, man, is true, false. So your first question is this. True or false, our 2017 schedule is tougher than our 2016 schedule was. Uh, false. Eh, wrong answer. All right, but sorry, explain yourself. Um, I think the biggest thing is the caliber of the teams. You know, we had that really tough stretch where we had to go, um, go west for two games in a row, then come back for, you know, Tennessee. Um, that was that a tough three-game stretch. It was. You're right. Exactly, and I think timing was everything, too. You know, we had to play Missouri when they were, you know, hadn't really figured things out, but yet they, you know, they didn't know that they weren't, they were bad. You know, it was a ruckus crowd, a night game for them. They played out, you know, better than they had the whole season. Ole Miss was in desperation mode. Tennessee was Tennessee. Um, You know, I think that was the biggest thing, and at the same time, I think some of these teams are better than they will be this year. You know, while we had some tough games, you know, going to Auburn is going to be difficult, but these te- a lot of these teams were better this past year than they will be next year. Florida was better, especially defensively. Um, Tennessee, that was probably one of the best teams they'll have for the last couple of years. Ole Miss was just a desperation mode. Missouri, you know, it's timing where they, you know, like I said, they didn't know they were supposed to lose. So they were playing. They played really well. Those are all fair arguments, man. Uh, I know, and I, especially Kentucky, you know, we come off the Florida loss, and then we have to go up to Kentucky, who had been, you know, playing well. They, I mean, they made a bowl game. Um, and that was another thing, you know, if they they were trying to go for so many wins, and it was a night game, and there was a ruckus crowd there too, and that was one of their more improved teams, also. That's true. I mean, I agree with you on a lot of counts there, particularly the context of some of these games, like you said, you know, playing Missouri at Missouri night game, it was early in the season, as you mentioned, where they weren't completely devastated and then dejected as a team, where they knew that they were out of the running. Ole Miss had their back against the wall after losing to Florida State, losing to Alabama. Back-to-back uh, Western Road games there. I mean, I know Missouri's not in the West, but they're out there on the fringe of the SEC. 
Um, so that was tough. And you come back home after that, after the road trip to Missouri and the road trip to Ole Miss. You come back home and play Tennessee. Uh, so I, I get the context there. I'm not going to disagree with you there. And the reason I bring this question up and I included this is because, I, you know, I've been hearing a lot of talk about how the schedule is really favorable this year and there's no reason we should not be in the SEC Championship. There's no reason we should win the East with this schedule. Uh, and I, I agree that we should we should win the East. I think we're the best team in the East. But I don't know if I necessarily agree with the fact that our schedule – I don't think our schedule is crazy difficult, but I don't know if I agree that it's easier than it was last season. I think our schedule this year, in my opinion, is a little tougher. And let it, So let me try to sway you. I mean, everything you said made a ton of sense. I mean, you're, I mean I'm not going to go against you much on that at all. But let me try to sway you with a couple of things here. So let's look at this. We trade a neutral site game – in the Georgia Dome versus North Carolina for a game on the road at Notre Dame, right? I I know I know Notre Dame was four and eight last year. I know, but UNC wasn't great last year. They were pretty good, but they weren't great. And that was I mean it was a that was a de, de facto home game for us. Let's be real. You you and I were both there, I and mean, that was a de facto home game. Uh, it was red all over the place. But and there's gonna be a lot of red in in South Bend too. Don't get me wrong. We're gonna be up there, but it's still a road game. At Notre Dame, I think that's a tougher game. Do you disagree with me? Um, I mean, I, I get the road game situation, but North Carolina was in a lot better situation than what Notre Dame was in. Okay, they had the number two pick in the draft at quarterback. That's fair. Um, and, and Notre Dame was losing but, but, to Sean I mean, Kaiser. Like, you know, offensively, they had a lot coming off the year they had had before. They had a lot of players returning offensively, a lot of playmakers coming. You know, coming against our defense that was going to be in the first year under Kirby Smart, very first game. We weren't 100% sure, you know, how the defense was going to be called, things like that, communication, because that never goes, you know, never actually works well in the first come first game. And they had a lot of experience back there um, with their playmakers and things. And, you know, while I think their names could be tough, that's going to be a, t- a road game. I think if you look at the team, the teams themselves and where they were with the time we played them, North Carolina was in a better place. I, uh, I do agree that North Carolina in 2016 is going to be a better team than Notre Dame is in 2017. I think you're right there. I mean, Notre Dame's losing a ton. They're losing uh, some big-time and, and receivers, yeah, losing we Sean Kaiser. We technically relied on a true freshman in his first game to, you know, get some big plays for us to win that game also. I mean, that's yeah, also that's true. That's true. But I'm just saying, if you look at the, the teams we're playing and how it lays out, I mean, you're right about Eason. I mean, he was young, and we had to rely on him heavily. But that was basically a home game for us. And it was the first game of the Kirby Smart era. The place was jacked, man. It was nuts. Um, and the game in Notre Dame, we're going to have a lot of fans there, but it's not going to be that type of, of home field advantage no, for no, us. I totally get that, but I, I mean, I just think, while I do understand it's a uh, you know away game, it's kind of going to be similar to maybe Missouri or something. I mean, um, you think I, really? I, I mean, I don't know what to expect. I've never been to South Bend, so I don't know. You think it's going to be equivalent to a game in Missouri? Uh, I mean, just the kind of mindset a little. Maybe if that you don't know if they're going to be good or bad. I mean. Mm-hmm. They're always picked to win the national championship every year for some reason by ESPN and all these other yeah. places. I mean, they'll be better than four and eight this year, but I don't know how much better. I really don't. Exactly. That's where I don't. I don't really know. Yeah, I, I do think North Carolina in 2016 was a better team than Notre Dame will be in 2017. I just the fact that it's on the road, it's going to be a big primetime game. You know that they're. I mean, we're preparing for it like it's a huge game, and you know Notre Dame is as well. Especially having a four and eight season, they want to bounce back after that. I, I don't know. I. At the very least, I would say it's a push. But I, I would tend to say the game at Notre Dame might be a little bit more of a challenge than that. what I think was essentially a home game against North Carolina. But, I mean, I, I, I can respect that. your opinion. And, and, you know, looking at the 
2017 schedule, we have some tough away games. But I want to say the biggest thing that I that I like about our schedule is before every truly tough away game, we have a home game. Yeah, we so, don't have the crazy back to back. Like we don't have an yeah, at Missouri. Exactly. We're not having to go West. West Coast or you know go West for us two two weeks in a row, then come home. Well, we have really- it at Tennessee and at Vanderbilt, but we have Tennessee's before Vanderbilt. So if Tennessee was after Vanderbilt, that might be a different story. Exactly, and yeah. I think we have something to go out and prove against Vanderbilt this this coming year. And they're all—I mean, while we should have beat them last year, it does help that they're losing people like Zach Cunningham and stuff. Right, and you, so you—you're right in saying that we don't have the crazy back-to-backs on the road. But I will say that, I, in my opinion, our road slate this year is head and shoulders above more difficult than it was last year. This year, we're going to the teams, Tennessee. The teams, the teams themselves, yes. But like I said last year, I mean. You look at the end of the season, you're like, all right, you know, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. But when you actually look at the timing and when it happened, it was a lot more difficult than people realized at the at yeah the, the context. Yes, the context is especially with Missouri and Ole Miss and that that, that three game stretch of Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee. That was that was rough, no doubt. I'm I'm with you 100 percent there. But if you just look at the teams that were playing this year, or last year we had Kentucky, South Carolina, and Missouri on the road out of the SEC. This year we got at Tennessee, at Auburn, and at Tech all on the road. To me, that's a tougher road slate than what we had last year. I, and I guess we did play Ole Miss on the road last year, yes. But if you're matching those three teams there, I mean, Tennessee on the road, Auburn on the road, Tech on the road, although we own, I mean, that is Athens. I have to say this, the thing whatever. about playing Tech on the road, Tech on the road is, I think, uh, Kentucky and Missouri were all tougher games when you come down to it because their crowds are more raucous. And, uh, well, it's less know, Georgia more- fans there too, yeah. Exactly. I mean, and I mean, we had them at night too. I, you know, the last couple of years we have not had Tech at night, and they have enough trouble filling up their stadium, getting loud. And they, we had them at night games, loud, loud situations. Yeah. Well, but, but Auburn. I mean, people projecting no, Auburn to be a potential top ten team. With. I think those are going to be very tough games. Don't get me wrong. And Tennessee. I, just, I mean, Tennessee's. I think they're going to take a step back talent wise this year. But that is a. It doesn't matter, man. They're still going to be yeah, good enough. They still recruit. That's Mayland, a tough ass place to play. I mean, that's a yeah, tough Mayland, place to play. Mayland. Especially if that ends up being a night game, with with our luck, you know it will be. A lot of fake noise into that stadium. Oh, they oh they pump a crazy amount of fake noise in that stadium, but it's just a, it's a tough environment. It really is. It is, and we've we've won our fair share there. I mean, I've seen enough victories there. I've also suffered enough losses there. Some painful yeah, and, ones. Well, no, and, I, and this is one thing I want to say too. You know, in year two under Kirby, they want to see them take a step forward. I think we have a better prepared team to play on these road games than we did last year. We had a true freshman quarterback, a very, you know, we had a lot of uncertainty with Chubb, and then he wasn't 100%. We had a, a no no consistency with wide receivers, um, you know. Well, I, I definitely think our team's going to be better this year. I'm with you there. We will be better. Well, no, no, I mean, yeah, I'm just saying I think it does help, though, going into these some of these tougher road games. Having a little bit more experience will help also sure. with, you know, looking at the difficulty. Yeah, no, for sure. But let's go – so I, I think that at the very least – the North, Notre Dame game is a push as compared to North Carolina, although I think Notre Dame is a little bit more of a, of a challenge by virtue of the fact it's on the road. Um, we also trade Louisiana Lafayette for Appalachian State this year. Appalachian State to open the season, where they have all offseason to prepare for us, just like they did with Tennessee last year and push Tennessee to overtime. I'm not going to predict that's going to happen right now, but Appalachian State is no pushover. In fact, I'm not even sure why we're playing this game. This is ridiculous. Like, we, well, There's we no upside to playing a team like that. I know, I know, but it's just – like even then, like they were a good – Division two level team, even before they, they are. bumped so one up. One thing I'm happy to see though is they did lose some of their big playmakers, like a Marcus Cox, who's from you know we I saw personally, you know we saw him in high school, yeah, like that. So yeah, but you got Taylor Land, you got their quarterback coming back. 
as a oh, senior. Oh, I agree, but I mean, you look at the Tennessee game, he played terrible. It's really the running backs. Yeah, he didn't play well, but still, to have a senior leader like that, that's no, I agree. That's huge. I, I do agree. I mean, it is a tougher game. I would just say Appy State is a much tougher game than Louisiana Lafayette. But I, and I think it's just one thing you saw kind of with Miami. Miami knew talk not when they went up there last year not to take them as a joke, right? Because of what happened with Tennessee game. Yeah. So I think it does make it a little easier as a selling point to Kirby and them to get serious. I think so the best thing that maybe happened for our team co- coming into that opening game against Appalachian State is what happened in Tennessee last year because we can point that and say, dude, you better take these guys seriously because they're they're yeah. going to come to play. That does help to have that where you can say, I mean, the Michigan thing. Yeah, everyone knows about Michigan, but that was so many years ago. But this is fresh. Like this is fresh, and they're I mean they're legit now. I mean they're they're not power five team. They're, they're a Sun Belt Division One now, and they're a legit Division One team. Um, in a couple bowls here. Uh, then we also we trade at Ole Miss for Mississippi State at home. Now on the surface, that seems like a winning scenario, right? We'd rather have Mississippi State at home than at Except Ole Miss. Except for the fact of Nick Fitzgerald. Exactly. Like Ole Miss. Okay. It, like, it goes back to the context. That was a tough game for us last year, just based on where it fell in the schedule and what Ole Miss's record was coming in that game. They had their back against the wall. They had to try to survive. And that's before Chad Kelly gets hurt, and they just killed us. And it was we, we seemed to just want to let the receivers get off the line with with no pressure at all, and it was just it was terrible. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible game. I, I'm trying to get that out of my memory. It was awful. It was a great trip being there, but terrible game. Um, Friday was fun. Saturday not so much. Uh, but we tra- so you would think that's a tougher game. But Mississippi State, and yes, I, Ole Miss is probably a better program than Mississippi State. They have been recently. But Nick Fitzgerald, dude, I think he is a budding star for Mississippi State. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very nervous about this game. And I know it's at home, but anytime we have a mobile quarterback like that, it always freaks me out. Especially a guy who can throw the ball like he can, and he's coming back home. He's from Georgia, from the Savannah area. That's a pretty good football team, and he's the kind of quarterback that Dan Mullen needs. If he has a guy like, like a Tim Tebow, a Dak Prescott, a Nick Fitzgerald who could be that dual threat guy, a bigger physical guy that can just wear on you too, pick up the tough yards with the quarterback powers. That's tough, man. That's when Dan Mullen is at his most dangerous. So that is something to not overlook. I would. Would you say the old, at Ole Miss last year was a tougher game than Mississippi State at home? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would still say at Ole Miss was a tougher I, game, I, but not by but not by much. Last year, I still think Ole Miss was a better team. You had a uh, yes. senior quarterback, yes. a, a lot of big receivers, crazy good receivers. I mean, they and they had you know they had some really good defenders. They're still uh, and Ole, Ole Miss was a better team last year compared to what Mississippi State's probably going to be this year, but. I don't think it's by that much. I think some people are overlooking at Mississippi State game and just talking it up as an automatic win, and I think that's dangerous. Thing, I don't think it's an automatic win, but the one thing that is nice is third down for Grantham. True. You got third down for Grantham back. Back in Athens. That's right, dude. We got to let him have it. But Nick Fitzgerald, man, dude was almost a 1,300-yard rusher last year. I know, and I, I think that's, that's crazy. the biggest thing. And I think it'll also get us ready for some teams like Auburn. Well, I don't think uh, Stidham's going to be throwing as much as that. It does help you because he – It'll help you come later in the season. Yeah, there's, there's some similarities there. I think I think Fitzgerald's a much more dangerous runner than than Stidham is, but Stidham can run too. Well, and, he can. and if it sticks to what Florida's, if you know Frank somehow wins a job like everyone's claiming he's going to, he's going to try to be a little bit more mobile too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, okay, so I got one more thing to try to convince you here. All right, so you said that teams like Florida will take a step back, and I agree. I think on our schedule this year, I think Florida, Tennessee, and Georgia Tech will probably take us at least a slight step back from where they were last year. You know, for obvious reasons, Florida losing basically everybody on defense, Tennessee losing almost everybody on offense, uh, losing some key defenders as well. I think they're going to take a major step back, or not a major, but a pretty sizable step back, more so than Florida will. Tech loses Justin Thomas at quarterback, so they're going to be breaking into somebody new there, although he's had a couple – I forget the dude's name, but he, he's played a little bit. 
um, when Thomas was hurt. But still, I think it'll take a step back. Thomas is a perfect fit for that triple option offense. So, but you, so you can say those guys, those teams are going to take a step back. But at the same time, I'm also looking forward to this year. I think South Carolina. I think Missouri and I think Auburn, all three stand to be much improved this year. I mean, I think Auburn is a legit top ten team, perhaps. Missouri is the only team, the only team returning. There's some question marks defensively. Sure, they're losing a lot there. You got Marlon Davidson coming back though, who had a huge freshman year for them. Carlton Davis, Deshaun Davis. It also made him look better when he had Adams to True. Maybe, maybe Derrick Brown steps in. They they got some stuff to prove defensively, no doubt. But they're going to take a step forward offensively, I would imagine. Um, Missouri's returned. I think they're the only team, at least in the East, maybe in the entire league, who's returning a 3,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and a 1,000-yard receiver. And they're all a year older. So I think they, they stand to be much improved. I'm actually very glad we have this game at home as opposed to at Missouri this year. I think that's going to help us out because that's going to be, I, I'm, be a tough game that people are overlooking too. I think South Carolina's going to be much improved. They're, they're still going to be a train wreck defensively. They'll be a little bit better. But this will be a train wreck defensively. But offensively, they have some serious weapons. Uh you know, you got Jake Bentley, obviously quarterback, who came in the second part of the year and had a huge second half of the year. Brian Edwards will be back. Debo Samuels will be back. Two really good wide receivers. Rico Dowdell, uh, running back, really came on the second part of the year. You had Hayden Hurst, who I think is probably the best tight end in the league. That is a dangerous offensive football team. I, I'm again glad we get them at home, but I think and tell me if you disagree. I think South Carolina, Missouri, and Auburn all stand to be a pretty good bit improved from where they were last year. I agree, but you also have to think only one of those is going to be on the road this year compared to two of those last year. Fair, true, but we're also trading back and saying we got Tennessee and Auburn on the road this year. I agree. I mean, I, I think it, it, I, I think you can say it's easy to say that every year the SEC is harder. Yeah, and look, I whatever, and I, I we'd love to hear you guys' thoughts on this. You hit us up on Twitter at Glory UGA, um, but Glory underscore UGA, but I, I don't think it's. A, a sizable difference either way. Whether it's 2016, you think that was tough, or 2017, I think we're talking about small degrees here. But if I had this pick, I would say looking at the schedule, I think going into 2017, this schedule is a slight bit more difficult than what 2016 was. Again, based off at Notre Dame as opposed to essentially a home game against North Carolina, Appy State trading them out or trading Lafayette out for Appy State, um, Tennessee, Auburn Tech on the road this year, as opposed to Kentucky, South Carolina, Missouri on the road last year. I think South Carolina, Missouri, Auburn take a step forward this year. Are we going to agree to, dis- to disagree on this one, or did I sway you? Uh, I think I agree to disagree. All right, fair enough. I can't argue too much. Like I said, I don't think it's too big of a difference either way. But I, I will say, will you agree with this, that the 2017 schedule is a little bit more difficult than people want to give it credit for right now? I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I, I just keep hearing people say that it's, it's a favorable schedule. It's a favorable schedule. Yeah, it, it could be tougher. There's no Alabama. There's no LSU on the schedule. I get that, but... I think we're discounting some of these games that could be really tricky. Mississippi State is going to be tricky. Missouri is going to be much better. South Carolina is going to be much better. Uh, Tennessee on the road, you can never take that game for granted. Auburn on the road, I mean, come on. I, mean, I know we've had we've had Auburn's number. We basically dominated Auburn like Florida's dominated us. But still, it's going to be a tough game there. All right, uh, let's move on to the next true-false question here. All right, true or false? We made a mistake in not offering Adam, Adam Anderson's Rome teammates, Jamarcus Chapman, and Jaquan Griffin to secure his commitment. So just to give you some background on this, guys, and I know most of you probably know this, Adam Anderson's a, a pass rusher out of Rome High School that we've had committed for a long time. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this on the show, he visits LSU with his teammates, Jamarcus Chapman and Jaquan Griffin. They've been playing together since they were kids in Little League. 
They LSU decides to offer all three of them. That sways Anderson enough for him to decommit from us and commit to LSU along with Chapman and Griffin. This is nothing new. This kind of stuff happens, but we have not chosen to offer Chapman or Griffin at this time. So, again, true false, Kurt. We made a mistake in not offering Adam Anderson's own teammates, Jamarcus Chapman and Jaquan Griffin, to make sure to keep his commitment. Um, I'm going to go false. I think the big one really wanted Adam Anderson. I think the biggest thing is we, we have so few spots this year coming around that we couldn't afford to take two of those guys. And then what if the situation comes where we had to turn someone better down, but we, you know, where someone better wants to come on, but we couldn't because we had to take these two guys just for one good player. Well, I, I think it depends on how good of a player do you think Adam Anderson is going to be? How, like in your I, mind. I think he's going to be really good. I think I Anderson really is going to be a dominant pass rusher. Is, though, with we have so, so you know we have very like I said very few spots and we have certain positions we need to focus on. That so, yeah, to me it comes down it, is 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 Adam Anderson a game changer in your mind? Is he a game changer? I think he is, but at the same time, could you turn away other game changers for two? You know, you have instead of having four game changers, you only have one or two. Okay, but. Think about us in the past when we're down, and I know Kirby's a different story. He's still young in his tenure here, but even going back to last year, we didn't have guys knocking down our door last year at the end of the cycle on signing day. We had to settle for some guys like maybe settle's a strong word, but still Eric Stokes, uh, Latavius Brady. I know we wanted to go heavy on DB, but we we didn't have big time guys exactly knocking our door down that we were turning them away, and that's well, that's typically the case every year too, because we were full on the offensive line. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, I've seen it, too, and I know it's a, again Kirby's a different guy than Mark Rick. I've just seen too many times at the end of the year where we close with a dud on signing day, and we, we we tell guys that we don't want you, and we refrain from from making these kind of deals with guys, offering guys that we we wouldn't offer otherwise to secure a more talented teammate because we want to make sure we're holding holding spots for more talented guys that are higher on our board, which makes sense. It's logical. It completely is. But I've seen it too many times where we we don't land those guys, and we're left just picking up scraps, and where we could have had Adam Anderson if we would have just taken Jaquan Griffin or Jamarcus Well, I think another thing, though, is it's so early in the process. That's true, too. But so uh, let's say we wait until – I mean, you're talking about waiting until the end. I mean, if it comes, you know, more in the season and things aren't working out your way, then try to do it. But if you do it right away and then, you know, you have a good season and people are trying to then knock it down your door, then it's too late. That's true. It's a tough one for me because I think – I mean, it's not even a hit summer yet for those high school kids. No, it's not, but... It's they haven't even, most of them haven't even had spring practice. Yeah, they're just kind of starting. I think last week was when most of the teams in Georgia really kind of kicked that into high gear. But look, man, to me, Adam Anderson is just an absolute game changer. And I know he hasn't played a snap on the college level, but I've seen this guy in person, and he, he's a difference maker. He's the kind of pass rusher that we have not had. I mean, we had Leonard Floyd, who I still think... I don't think he played up to his potential here in Athens. But, I mean, look at our defense this year. The one big concern I have this year is can we generate a consistent pass rush without having to bring pressure? That's a major concern that I have for this team is our outside linebacker hybrid pass rush, which Carter and, and uh, Devin Bellamy, they haven't shown the ability to do that consistently. We get time to time. I think Ledbear is going to help that this year, being back for full season. Hopefully Trent, you know, he showed some nice signs late in the year. But we, our program needs guys. To be able to pressure, I mean, look at Alabama last year. One of their, look, Alabama's Alabama. They have crazy talent all over the place. But one of the reasons they were so good defensively is you have guys like Tim Anderson or Tim Williams and Ryan Anderson off the edges. They don't have to bring pressure. They don't have they don't have to fabricate pressure and to to get to the quarterback. They just line up four guys, get after him, and that way you can play whatever coverage you want on the back end. We haven't necessarily had that 
that luxury over the past couple of years. So I think he's a guy that, God, man, like we needed him. And then losing, you know, Brenton Cox on top of that, that hurts. But I think you're, you, you make a good point in terms of do you want to offer a guy that basically has no legit SEC offers? I mean, let's, let's look at these two. Jamarcus Chapman has some legit Power 5 offers. He's got Arkansas, Florida State, Florida, Louisville. Now, we don't know how committable those offers are, but those are on his offer list. But Jaquan Griffin, who's about six foot, 260 pounds, I don't know where he fits anywhere on the football field at the college level. The best offer Jaquan Griffin has right now is Appalachian State. Other offers are Kennesaw State, Eastern Michigan, Tulane, those kind of schools. So he's at D tackle, correct? He's he's listed as a D tackle at six foot, two hundred and sixty pounds. Well, see, and I think that's another thing is you got to think of that position group that he's. You know, if it's one that you have a lot of, you know, that you that your depth isn't the biggest question. Yeah, and look, Jaquan Griffin's never going to play at LSU. He'll wash out there. That's what's going to happen. But don't tell him that, Adam Harrison. He's got his he's got his boy a chance, right? So he's gonna go to LSU. And well and another thing is though, it's so easy to wash out at a school like LSU where it is if it's your in state school at Georgia. You have a lot of kids that's easier for them just to, you know, be right. a scholarship holder in state. Fair point is we gotta rely on those those relationships in the state much more so than old Coach O does down there in Baton Rouge. Yeah, he um, can do, he can he can pretty much push him out after a year yeah, or two. Yeah. Where if Kirby does it, boom, yeah. it's a the accountability is not there for him. Yeah, I, I, honestly, and, and look, I have no. Do you have an issue with teams offering other players to get one player, offering their friends? I don't have and an issue with it. I have an issue with. I have an issue, but it's kind of been stopped with the coaches. Um, thing. Oh, offering coaches, like yeah, bring coach on as support staff, like a you know a, a, a Matt Felton. Yeah, yeah, Shelton Felton or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, I'm pretty sure Del McGee essentially got a job that way. Now, he's our running back coach now. Remember, he, he went to Auburn out, out of Carver Columbus High School. He capitalized on uh, Isaiah Crowell and some of those guys. So, I mean, they, you're right. They kind of closed that loophole. I don't really have a problem with it, per se, um, because, look, we've done it. We've done it plenty. I mean, even Ledbetter. You know, remember we offered his brother. We brought his brother on. His brother's no longer on the team. Ogletree. We, Ogl- had, we offered his brother to, right. you know, Ogletree. To fully, fully get him. Yeah. And, I mean, but Xander, he, he contributed as a fullback some. Well, yeah, but at the same time, we hadn't offered his brother. Right. We, we would not have offered him otherwise. Yeah. Um, Cootie, Har- Cootie Harrow. Remember Isaiah Crowell, his cousin? Cootie Harrow? I remember that, but you got to think of Theus' brother. This is bro- yeah, I mean, a long snapper. Yeah, so it's not like we like we're not immune as we've done it before too. So it's not I think it's, it's the fact that you have to get all three at the same right. time. And, and look, Griffin Griffin is not even close. Okay, like his best offer is Appalachian State. He's not even close to an SEC caliber player. So you're basically taking him a spot. Like you, and you're right, a guy that could be a, a potential contributor in the SEC is not. It's gonna he's gonna somebody's gonna be told no because we decided to take Jaquan Griffin over over there. Yeah, and like I said, we have so few spots. I can understand taking two. But when you're forced to take three with eighteen, like around eighteen spots, I think we're gonna have more than eighteen. Uh, I, mean, I don't know. It depends on attrition. It depends on attrition. Eighteen to twenty. Yeah, it depends on attrition. How? But yeah, I would say twenty. I, this is just pure guess. I'd say twenty-one, twenty-two, with when it's all said and done. But right now, you're right. If you look at it right now, probably around eighteen, and that's not that's not a ton of spots. So I'm I, I'm gonna give you some props, man. You got you got number two correct. We should not have offered him. I'm with you on that. Um, hopefully, we can get Anderson back in the fold. Would you be okay with offering Chapman and not Griffin, and see if that sways him at all? Yeah, I have no problem. He has some legit offers. You know, maybe he develops into something year three or four. Yeah. Um, the Chapman's but, borderline. Griffin is like not even on the radar. Griffin is like 
He's like yeah, that's a, it's a joke. It's like little league. I mean, honestly, like in, he, I shouldn't say that, but it, he's not even close. He's just not even on the radar. He's not he's, even on the board. A- He's a make-a-wish kid to me. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. At least Chapman's on the board. Griffin, I like that. Make-a-wish. Uh, all right, question number three. See if you can go two out of three on true-false. Uh, true or false, we have the best offensive skill talent in the SEC in 2017. SEC or the East? I'm sorry, the SEC East. The SEC East in 2017. Uh, I think across the board in the East, yes. Um, while you know, South Carolina does have a lot of weapons, I think the thing that's going to separate us is our backfield. Yep. On And look, I know a lot of this talent that we're relying on when I say offensive skill talent is a lot of it's unproven. But I think the potential is there. And my question, like, I'm with you. I think the correct answer is true. You got, you got that one right. Um, but who who has the better, who has unequivocally better offensive skill talent than we do in the SEC East? So if you look at Florida, okay, they got Jordan Scarlett, Antonio Callaway, Tyree Cleveland came on a little bit last year as a true freshman. But they have a complete unknown at quarterback. Maybe it's Felipe Franks. Maybe... Uh, Del Rio comes back when he gets healthy from two shoulder surgeries. Maybe he can somehow find his way back into the equation. But it's a complete unknown at quarterback. And while you might have some issues with Eason and his accuracy and be able to take command of the huddle and things like that, at least we somewhat know what we have here. And I think he's made serious strides since last season. Uh, Tennessee, you got a quarterback, an, un- an unknown again. Jarrett Guarantano or Quentin Dormady. Uh, their top three rushers are gone in Kamara, Hurd, and Dodge. Kamara was their best receiver. I mean, yeah, he was. He was. I mean, he was a do everything guy for them. And then and talking about true wide receivers, four of their six top wide receivers are gone. They have, Hello, yeah, they only have Josh Malone is gone. Jawan Jennings is coming back. That's really their only big time threat wide receiver is coming back. Missouri, I say, I will tell you, offensively they're dangerous. Like I said earlier, they're the only team in the SEC returning a three hundred, a three thousand yard passer, a thousand yard wide receiver, and a thousand yard running back. You got Demarie Crockett. Jamon Moore, and of course, Drew Locke. Um, but they, they had those three headliners, but outside of that, I don't know if they have that much. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they're three, not, they're not. The depth isn't there. Uh, South Carolina, now this is a team I think is going to take a big step offensively. Jake Bentley's a, I think, and we talked about him versus Easton. I think Easton's a better quarterback. Bentley's just a better fit for his system. Easton's having to learn his system, whereas Bentley was kind of a plug-and-play guy in that system. It just fit his skill set. Uh, you got two really good wide receivers in Debo Samuel at 783 yards receiving last year. you got Brian Edwards, who was a true freshman last year. Even when he was hurt part of the year, he still had almost 600 yards receiving. you got what I think is probably the best tight end, at least returning based on what he did last year, and Hayden Hurst with over 600 yards receiving. Rico Dowdell started less than half the season, had almost 800 yards rushing. You also have A.J. Turner with 500 yards rushing. That's a, Those are some pretty good offensive skill players right there. So I think they might be the closest to us, honestly. I hate, like, Is that far off? No. And then you got Kentucky. They got some decent guys. You got Benny Snell. You know, you had a. Uh, See, it helped when he has Boom. Yeah, Boom went. He went pro and then didn't get drafted. Sorry, Boom. Sorry yeah. to you. Sorry, man. Um, couple. They got a couple of decent wide receivers. Jeff Bidette was a good wide receiver. Actually, transferred to Oklahoma. They don't know what's going to happen at quarterback. You had uh, Stephen Johnson and Drew Barker. Barker was a guy. He got hurt. He's kind of battling back. See who wins that job. You got Garrett Johnson receiver. They had a couple weapons, but. Still, if you look at what we have, like you mentioned, the running backs. The running backs alone with Sony, Nick, you factor in. Uh, you've got, of course, I, I, I'm really big on Holyfield. you got Harrion, and you're going to insert a, a highly rated running back in DeAndre Swift in the equation. I mean, running backs alone, I mean, dude, th- does anyone in the East come close to that? No. Like, they don't. And then receivers, like, I know we got a lot of proving to do there. But I'm really excited about what I've seen from Terry Goblin, the steps he's making. I think Javon Williams is primed for a huge year. Riley really showed some signs last year. 
Um, I'm very intrigued by guys like Miko Harbin, especially Tyler Sims. I really think he can contribute this year. J.J. Holliman, I think, is going to be a baller. Um, I don't know how much playing time he's going to get early on. It helps that he enrolled early, but I think by the time the season gets about the midway point, I think he's going to be making some major contributions for us. I like the potential at wide receiver. And then, of course, at quarterback, we know what we have there with Fromm and Eason. Eason has some progress to make, no doubt. We, do, we haven't seen Fromm in action, but all accounts are. We saw, and I saw the first scrimmage and at G-Day, the guy's going to be the real deal. He, he just is. And Eason, I think, is taking steps in a positive direction. So I, I think I'm with you, man. I think this is true. I think going into the year, and we'll see how it all plays out, but right now, during talking season, I would, I would argue and say that we had the best offensive skill talent in the SEC East, which is hard to imagine based on what we saw last year, you know? hard to imagine. All right, so let's quickly move on to part two here. This is multiple choice. You guys all know how these questions work, so I'm not going to insult your intelligence. have got two multiple choice questions here for you, Kurt. So number one on the multiple choice section, which of the following is most likely to happen first? You only got three options on this one. Which of the following is most likely to happen first? A, win an SEC football championship, win the whole thing. B, win, a, win one game in the NCAA basketball tournament. Or C, host a college baseball regional, which basically means we're in the top 16 once it's all said and done. Which one's going to happen first? A. Why do you say that? So you think we're going to win the SEC before we win one NCAA tournament game under Mark Fox? Uh, yeah, he has enough trouble getting there. Um, True, two times in eight years. Fair point. And definitely not going to happen this year. You Really? You don't think so? We don't have a shot if Yante comes back? No, because I don't have enough... Uh, you don't believe uh, in Fox, and we'll end the scores. I don't think we have enough scores. We 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 gotta have some. We gotta have guys step up. I mean, Tyree Crump's gonna have to. He's gonna have to be a huge player for us in the backcourt. But I don't have trust in Fox to actually play him. I think he's gonna play Turtle a lot more, and I don't think he's gonna play uh, Crump at the too much. I think he thinks he's too small based on what we saw last year. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Interesting. How close do you think we are to winning the SEC in football? I think we're getting closer. I mean. We've had back-to-back good recruiting classes. Um, we're getting there, I think, our, especially offensively with our offensive line, which is one of the biggest things that has stopped us. Would, would it be crazy if I said I think we are we have a legit chance to do it this year? I don't think it's crazy, but I think next year we do. Yeah, I think next year. I think I've always been pointing. You know, we, for a while we've both been pointing 2018 as the year where we're going to make the, the big run. But the more I think about it, and maybe it's just optimism growing me as we get close to the season, but – Dude, I think we have a legit chance to do it this year. Now, is Alabama more talented than us? Absolutely. Is LSU more talented than us? Probably, yes. I don't think Auburn's that much more talented than us. I really don't. Um, and I, I think we're head and shoulders more talented than the teams in the SEC East. Based on the – well, I shouldn't say head and shoulders. I think we are more talented right now, especially at key positions. Um, now, there's a lot of things that have to fall into place. We've got to get better quarterback play. We're going to have to get better play at wide receivers. I think both those things are going to happen. We have to see it. But I think our I think we're going to lean on our defense. Our defense is going to be really good. I think our, we have a potential top 10 defense on our hands. I really do believe that. I think the big – like I said earlier, the big question is can we get consistent pressure on the quarterback without having to manufacture pressure? If we can do that, I think we'll be in really good shape. Uh, I have a few guys step up wide receiver, which I think we have some guys poised to do. And I think the running backs are going to just – I think we're going to have a huge year around the football. I think we're going to fix the offensive line, although I know at G-Day everyone's got their up in arms, but it was, just, it was a controlled environment. You pin their ears back. I, I think we'll be better on the offensive line. I don't know if, how much better, but I think we'll be good enough to give our running backs room to really take a huge step offensively in year two under Kirby Smart. So I think we have a legit chance. If we can get there, you got a chance. Um, but I, it's more likely 2018. But I, I think we could win the, the SEC championship within the next two years. I really do. 
Uh, maybe I'm a complete homer. Probably am. And look, I know that pretty much all that is based on I think and speculation. But at this point during the talking season, before we get into even the summer months, that's all we have to go on. The I think, the speculation. So again, I think that we have answers, potential answers to all the question marks we have offensively. And I think defensively, we're poised to take that next step to becoming a potentially elite defense. Now, logic would tell you that it's easier to get into the NCAA tournament and mess around and win a game than it is to make it through the gauntlet that is the SEC and find a way to beat Bama or whoever is good enough to finally unseat them in the West once we get to the title game. I mean, in college basketball, you can finish with double-digit losses and still get into the tournament where anyone can be anyone on any given day. The same is true in football, but in college basketball, it's much more so the case. It's a, it's a setup where it is not all that unusual for 14 seeds to beat 3 seeds or 13s to beat 4s. In fact, we, we kind of expect that to happen every year at this point. One of those much lower-seeded teams and knock off a higher-seeded team. So with all things being equal, winning a game in the NCAA tournament would probably be more likely to happen before we win another SEC football title. But in the context of our particular situation, I'm not so sure that's the case. I I think we're close, very close in football, as in one to three years away when Kirby's roster rebuild should be complete to the point that we have the type of roster that, from top to bottom, can compete at the highest levels game in and game out from a talent perspective. So for me, the question becomes, if I think we're one to three years away from winning an SEC football title, do I think we can win one NCAA tournament or one NCAA tournament game in the next one to three years? And right now, although Fox's recruiting has improved, I won't give him credit, his recruiting has improved over the past couple of years, I'm just not sure I can see it right now. I want to believe, trust me, I do. I mean, I go to every game. I'm a big supporter of our basketball program. I am most, or really all programs on campus. But maybe it's the immediacy of this of this past season. But the way that I see it right now, if we couldn't make the NCAA tournament with two all-SEC first-team players last season, how can we realistically expect that to happen this year? How can we realistically expect to make it to the tournament when we're losing at least one of those players? Yonsei will probably be back, but we're at least losing JJ. I mean, when in the hell was the last time we had two all-SEC first-team players in basketball? Now, sure, yes, like you can say we were a few tough breaks away from being in the tournament last season. And maybe that's partially true. But the fact is, we control what happened in every single one of those games. Yes, including the Texas A&M game when, the, when we had the clock debacle at the end of the game. We were the ones who got ourselves in that situation. And in totality, in the eight years of the Mark Fox tenure, we have made it to exactly two NCAA tournaments, one every four years on average, and won exactly zero NCAA tournament games. The track record just isn't there. I want to believe. I wish it was. But to believe that we're going to win an NCAA tournament game anytime soon under Mark Fox, that would require me to willfully disregard recent history. So... Really, ultimately, despite it being easier, in theory, to get to and win one game in the NCAA basketball tournament, like in general, in the context of our specific situation, I just think we're closer to winning an SEC football title than we are winning one NCAA tournament game. And hosting college baseball regional? No. No. I I don't know when that's ever going to happen. I mean, we're a long way from that right now. I'd love to be wrong, but don't see that happening anytime soon here. All right, multiple choice question number two. Uh, of the members of our 2017 recruiting class, 
the most likely who is the most likely to win SEC freshman of the year? Is it A, Isaiah Wilson, B, JJ Holliman, C, D'Angelo Gibbs, or D, Jake Fromm? Or E, other? D'Angelo Gibbs. Ooh. I'm um, sorry, dude. That's wrong. But explain why. I think the biggest thing is he, he'd be an opportunity to make plays on what I think Holloman will. Um, there's a lot of guys across the board. Like, you've got Wims, who I think is going to be our biggest playmaker. You also have Riley Ridley, who's going to be doing things. You've got um, uh, um, Terry Godwin in the slot, who I think is going to be very deadly. So you got he's got those three guys first off the battle with to get four receptions and catches. And that's also not even including your running backs like Sony and um, people like that. But then if you look at defensively, there's a good opportunity for Gibbs to play there. And I think if he is, if he gets on the field, he has the, the body and the skill set to make plays that happen. If he can go out there and make some plays, um, you know, I think he could be, especially on first team, all SEC freshmen, things like that. With If he gets out there and makes some plays, he's got the big ball skills to make interceptions. And he's got, the ball, um, you know, he's got the, I think he's physical enough to hit, make some plays with tackling too. You might have convinced me, man. You might have you might have changed my mind here because D'Angelo gives his body is tailor made. Like he's ready to yeah, go. Yeah, like physically. I want to say Holloman, but he's got three. three I know. Guys See, that that, that was my right answer. That's what I had originally as the correct answer on my answer key here. But like, you're right. The competition level. Vince and Godwin, just those two, is going to be tough to get enough catches to make something. Fair, but here's my thing with JJ. Like, we don't have a ton of established wide receivers that he has to pass, right? Now, we have some guys that clearly have more playing time than him, but how much have they really done? We were talking about Ridley, Godwin, and Wimps. How much have those guys really done? Not a ton on the field. I mean, Godwin's done more than the rest, but they, they haven't have, done a ton, but at the same time, they do have that trust with the coach, as you sure, saw. Sure, sure, they have that. They have the trust, they the have the experience. That, and that's a fair, very fair point. But I don't think like they're entrenched. You know what I mean? Like, I, no, I don't think they're entrenched. But I do think that they have certain aspects ahead of Holloman where you should have Kirby one on one coaching with Gibbs and LeCount. You don't have that with Holloman, so I think they're pushing that much more for Gibbs to be an immediate guy. I think there's more of a need for Gibbs. We have just have a dearth of of DBs, of quality DBs on the roster right now. So I think there's more of a push for him to get ready. Sure, yes. But I also say this with JJ. The reason I had him correct on the answer key. That's in my head. Uh, was like I said, I, I don't think there's a ton of entrenched guys at that position. And also, think about when you're talking about these these end of the year awards, freshman of the year, player of the year. They're almost all offensive, right? Because that's what the average fan can pick out. The average media member can pick out and say, "Oh, that guy catches a lot of touchdown passes. That guy runs for a lot of touchdown passes. This guy throws for four thousand yards." That stands out to the to the eye of of your average viewer. So I think offensive guys are at an advantage inherently. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. I mean, the biggest thing is, you know, we talk about the other guys. Well, you know, there's not a lot for home in the past, but the other guys are going to get their opportunities too, where there's not that many people above Gibbs that will get the opportunity. And if Gibbs goes out there, has so many tackles, um, has some nice, you know, interceptions or anything like that, he'll he'll get, he'll get garner people's attention because they'll think, all right, we can't go right at him. Okay, you've convinced me to change my mind. Congratulations, sir. The answer key was wrong. Um, D'Angelo Gibbs. I'm a, and he, here's and while I think about it here, it makes sense. Like D'Angelo Gibbs is probably he, he's a, at the very worst going to be the second second team star at at worst, right? Yeah, that's wor- at worst. And he has, he stands a very good chance at some point of taking that job. I mean, he was working as the two. He started out with the ones essentially, but he was working as the two through most of the spring after being there for injury. for yeah for like for like ten practices, right? Um, 15 by the time the spring was over. So imagine him with that under his belt coming in this summer, 
uh, going through fall camp, getting his feet wet early in the season. He has a legit sh- shot to, to start. And like I said, at the worst, be the second unit guy at star. Uh, whereas J.J. Holloman, I mean, he might be pushing to be the fourth or fifth, maybe even sixth guy. I, mean, I think fourth at best to start the season. Cause you're, you, I think our three, our top three are pretty entrenched, I would say. Oh, oh not entrenched, but I think those are probably going to start with, with um, Ridley, Wims, and Godwin probably, right? But then he'll be fighting with guys like Tyler Simmons, Miko Hardman, maybe Chigbu and Stanley to try to get that fourth, fifth spot in the rotation, which I think he could push for. Do you? Yeah, I think Holman's going to. I just, I think Holman by the t- by the time the end of the year rolls around, I think he's going to be a dangerous threat for us. I think going into next year, he's going to be a major playmaker for us. I mean, he's got the body, he's got everything you want. He's got speed. Uh, he, he's shown some strong hands. I, I really like what I've seen out of him. I think he has all the makings of being a really good wide receiver for us, being a difference maker that we haven't really had in a while. Uh, but I think maybe you're right. Now that I think about it a little bit more, I, I got to give you credit. D'Angelo gives us maybe more. He's better situated right now, perhaps, to make an impact in year one. Although I will say it's harder for a defensive player, especially a guy who plays a star position, to garner the, the notoriety and the publicity that it would take to win the SEC freshman year. Usually that goes to running back or quarterback receiver or something like that, which is why I was thinking Hallman initially. But I think Gibbs might make more of an impact this year. I'll give, I'll give you that. All right, last part of the test. So for the final part of the test, we're going to bring back a little – Basic math into the equation. Uh, don't panic, guys. Trust me, math was not my thing either. But last week, ESPN released their most recent way-too-early preseason rankings. So, Kurt, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a team and their ranking uh, per ESPN. And what you're going to do is tell me whether that ranking is greater than, less than, or equal to where you think they should be ranked. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. So we'll run through a couple of these real quick. We're going to start, obviously – with the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, in the most re- recent post-spring ESPN way too early college ball rankings, they have us ranked at number thirteen. Is that greater than, less than, or equal to where you would have them? Equal to. Uh, sir, you got that correct. Why? Why is that the spot for us right there, kind of smack dab in the middle? Because I think we have the ability to become a top ten team, but we're a little unproven. So I think that's what's holding yeah. us outside. Yeah, there's we have some question marks. We I think we have answers to those question marks but to be fair there are legitimate question marks i think defensively uh we're, we're pretty solid right there i, I like again like to see the pass rush but you know we got question marks at quarterback how much of an improvement is he gonna or how much of a step forward will he make will he take uh how much improvement we see on the offensive line what's the offensive line even gonna look like uh will, the, will chubby back to 100 which i think well i think that answer i mean he, he looks like it to me based on what i've seen how will we use sonny michelle what's the is the play calling be, be a little more creative are we going to be Stubborn like we were last year at times and try to just stick to a, a specific scheme. Or we're going to playmakers out wide step up. Those are all question marks. I think we have answers to all of those. But they're still question marks. And we have to prove on the field before we get too much hype. So I, I'm cool with a 13 spot there. Uh, all right. Uh, next we have Alabama at number three. Greater than, less than, or equal to where you would have them? Probably equal to. I think that three is fair for them, actually. Yeah, you know, every year I want to like. more about them come uh, the first game. Yeah, I agree. That, man, that's going to be amazing. Dude, what an awesome matchup. Seriously. To open up Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Alabama-Florida State, come on, man. That's that's crazy good stuff. Um, Alabama number three. You know, every year I discount them a little bit. Um, I think, yeah, I picked them to go undefeated last year. Yeah, you, you did. Uh, you're, I, you, dude, you're right. Hey, but two years ago, I picked Auburn to go 6-6, six and, six and everyone had them winning the national championship. So, suck it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, that's my only. That's like my only claim to fame in the history of the world. Uh, but no, you were right about Alabama last year. You were. You were. Give you props there. 
Um, I think that's. I think it's equal to. I think that's the answer here. Look, they're losing a lot of guys defensively, but dude, it's Alabama. I mean, how many years in a row have they finished with the number one recruiting class? I mean, so you lose guys like Tim Williams and Jonathan Allen and Ryan Anderson. You replace them with Deshaun Hand and Deron Payne, and you you lose um, uh, Reuben Foster. Yeah, you lose Reuben Foster, but you have Rashad Evans back, and you got Mac Wilson, who was a mega recruit coming to high school to replace him. He might even be better than Reuben Foster. So, and then you got a quarterback. You know, you've got. Jalen Hurts, who's coming back into his sophomore year, he's being pushed by Tua Tungavaloa, but it's kind of like with Fromm. How much is Tua Tungavaloa actually pushing pushing him? We'll see. They're a pretty good situation there. Running backs, they got good players. You've got Calvin Ridley, who is the best receiver in the league. I mean, they're, they're loaded, man. I mean, that's I mean, three's three's right where they probably should be at this point. Uh, then we got Auburn at number ten. Greater than, less than, or equal to? Where you got them? Less than. Ooh, where would you? So you would have them higher than that? I think you would go to seven or eight with them. Why? Why you got? Why are you so high on the the Tiger War Eagle Plains? Be a big difference this year, but I don't know defensively. The thing is, mm-hmm. I just some of these teams that are ranked higher in the top ten this year, I think, are a little out of place. Yeah, there's a couple teams like Oklahoma State was, uh, and I know they're not in the ACC, but Oklahoma State was at number six, and I know the Big Twelve sucks, but uh, number six, That's I don't know. Quarterback. That's it. Yeah, Mason Rudolph is a really good quarterback. Or, well, he's a really good fit for that system. Um, and they got you got Washington coming back at wide receiver, so they have two pieces coming back there. But I don't know, man. Like number six, that's that's pretty high up there. Um, for me, Auburn, I would say equal to. But I think they're going to be a much improved team. I, mean, I think you're right in the defense is the question mark. But they have some. You know, they lose a lot of guys. You lose Carl Lawson. You lose Montrevious Adams. You lose some key players like that, but you got Marlon Davidson coming back at defensive end, who was who had a big time freshman season last year. Uh, you got Carlton Davis at cornerback coming back, Sean Davis at linebacker. So the, the, they lost some guys, but they got some pieces there too. Derek Brown, we'll see if he actually makes a, an impact. I actually hope he doesn't, but we'll see. Uh, offensively, though, for me, it's gonna be really interesting to see if Malzahn really goes gloves off here. Because if not, I'm not sure how much it's realistically gonna change for them because the core. His core offense is so dependent on a running threat at quarterback. And if he doesn't go more hands-off here and allow the new coordinator to run the offense, I'm not sure how much improved they're going to be. Even with Jarrett Stidham, who's a really good quarterback. If you watch him his freshman season at Baylor, the guy can sling. He's a really good player. And he can run, too. He's, he's mobile, but he's not a true dual-threat guy in the vein of a Cam Newton or a Nick Marshall. Uh, but, you, but you also have, alongside him, you got Cam, you got Petway coming back. You've got Carrion Johnson. They've been stacking up wide receivers for years now. Darius Slayton, Kyle Davis, Nate Craig Myers. They just haven't had a quarterback to throw to him. Now they do in Jarrett Stidham. So I think offensively, if Malzahn will allow Chip Lindsey to run the offense and, and change some things, I think they could be much improved offensively. Defensively, though, it's a question mark. So I think right around the 10-ish range is, is fair. Uh, quickly, two more here real fast. LSU at number 12. Greater than, less than, or equal to where you got them? Greater than. I, I, I'm with you, dude. I'm not really high on LSU this year. What, why do you have them lower? Offensively, I mean, uh, you, yeah, you have good guys back, but he's it. You know, he's it. Really. He's really freaking good. Darius Guys, I think he might be better than Leonard Fournette. But, I mean, he's good, but he's the only one. But he is it. Like, they don't have, like, last year they had Fournette and Guys when Fournette wasn't hurt. This year they have Guys and nobody. At least nobody proven right now. Um, they lost all the rec- most of the receivers who you know some didn't get drafted. Pretty, but they pretty much everybody but DJ Chark. You're right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, and 
They just they lost a lot defensively too. Yeah, I mean, a quarterback. You got Danny Etling. Does he do anything for you? Not really. I mean, he's a game manager at best, and I'm not even sure he's an adequate game manager. Maybe we'll see. Um, you got two freshmen fighting for fighting for a time with Lowe Narcisse and Miles Brennan. Uh, but you're right on defense too. They lose. You, I mean, you lose Kendall Beckwith. You lose Jamal Adams, the first round draft. You lose Duke Riley. Uh, the food the Falcons picked up. You lose Tredavious White at cornerback. I mean, dude, that's a lot of talent they've lost. And they don't. They recruit well, but they don't recruit at an Alabama level. Where they can just plug and replace. You know that doesn't happen necessarily. They have a lot of good players in the roster. Don't get me wrong, but that's a lot of talent to lose on both sides of the ball. And to have uh, an okay quarterback at best thrown to really nobody at wide receiver with one really good running back. You bring in a new offensive coordinator, Matt Candu, who people are really high on based on what he did at Pitt last year, but he basically got fired from NC State before he went to Pitt. So how good is Matt Canada? Uh, I think that remains to be seen. We'll see. I, I thought that was an underwhelming hire. I know they're excited. I thought that was a little underwhelming. But yeah, I, I would have – where would you have LSU if you were ranking them? About 15. Yeah, I'd have them in the 15 to 18 range. I think 12 is a little high. And the last one here, Florida at number 21, greater than, less than, or equal to where you would have them? Greater than. Would you have him ranked? Maybe twenty-five. Really? What? Why are you hating on the Gators? Good for you, by the way, because I agree with you. A lot of offensive question marks and defensive question marks too. I think they have the huge question mark offensively at quarterback. Like how that? How is that going to play out? Is it going to be Felipe Franks? And he's got a lot of skill, a talent, but dude, I mean, he's offensive still pretty line, raw. Offensive line, yes, they they're losing some guys there. Um, you have Antonio Callaway, one true, real big, proven threat wide receiver, but like a couple guys like Tyree Cleveland a little bit there, Freddie Swain. Um, I, I like Jordan Scarlett running back. I think he's an underrated guy, but he's, I, I still don't know if he's a true feature back. But they have some decent pieces on offense. Um, but defensively, man, dude, listen to this list of guys they're losing. Caleb Brantley, Jared Davis, Alec Anselm, both inside linebackers, Jalen Tabor, Quincy Wilson, both corners. Uh, Marcus May at safety. Uh, Brian Cox, who was hurt a lot last year, but he was a major force for them for years, a, a big-time leader for them. That is a ton of talent to have to replace. And this has been much talked about. We've talked about it, how they've kind of been relying off Will Muschamp's defensive recruits, and, well, those guys are gone now. How much can they continue to rely on that defense? I think they'll be pretty good defensively. He had a couple guys get some playing time and due to injuries last year. Guy like David Reese, inside linebacker, got some time. But, man, that is a ton of talent. I, I think they're maybe a fringe top 25 team. But if they fix, if they figure it out at quarterback, and have a couple guys take some steps, then maybe. But man, I, right now that's a lot of talent to lose on defense. I think, I don't know. Maybe you could say it's equal to, but I'm with you there. I think maybe that's a, it's a little high for them. All right, guys. So that does it for us here on the Glory UJ podcast with our inaugural back to school segment definitely let us know what you guys think it might have been totally completely lame i don't know but we hope you guys enjoyed it we're going to try to think of a creative way to talk some football do something a little different for you guys out there so let us know if you liked it if you didn't if you did like it we would love to do it again for you guys if not then we'll just forget it ever happened uh but check back with us later this week we'll be talking more georgia football like we always tend to do uh but for curtis i'm tyler as always guys go dogs